Welcome to the Thomistic Institute podcast. Our mission is to promote the Catholic intellectual tradition in the university, the church, and the wider public square. The lectures on this podcast are organized by university students at Thomistic Institute chapters around the world. To learn more and to attend these events, visit us at ThomisticInstitute.org. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts to make us wise, to make us more true in our thoughts and in our deeds so that we might be conformed to you and thereby come to eternal glory through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to talk about virtue and human action, and I prepared a, an outline for you, but I sent it to Bobby, who's not in town, so I'll have to be extra lucid and you can be extra attentive. But so... St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, I do not the good I want, but the evil I do not want. How crazy is that? But I think you know what he's talking about. If you're a human being, you, <laughs> sometimes you just you know what's right and you can't make yourself do it. So, yeah, how is that? I want to think about that for a, a few minutes. So, and I want to think about, in connection with that, what is a virtue? And how is understanding the moral life, according to virtue, better than understanding it in terms of commands, just following commands, or utility? So where you say the ethical life is calculating the greatest benefit for the greatest number of people, right? So, so is, is, there, is there anything more to the moral life than that? Yes, virtue. So let's think about that. The term virtue and the term passion, when you see, use the word passion, you can think of just the word emotions. I mean exactly the same thing. Passion and virtue appear in Scripture. So the second letter of St. Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 7, there the Lord says through Peter, His divine power granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, that through these you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of passion and become partakers of the divine nature. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So one thing we should say at the very beginning is we think of Adam and Eve were created in grace. Okay, so there's no pure human nature where you're just working for human ends. From the beginning, we were made for God. We had, we had an end above our human nature. This is a great gift, tremendous, right? Because so we, we, we aim for, we're made for, we enjoy a, a, a goal, a life above just with human. But that leaves us in a vulnerable situation because that means we need help to get there, right? Unlike a squirrel, for instance, or any other lower animal, they have instincts, they have everything they need. You know, a squirrel doesn't have a vocation crisis, right? It, it can't fail. I mean, I mean, it can be injured and, and not live well as a squirrel, you know, get electrocuted running on the wire or something like that. That's possible, yeah. But it doesn't think, you know, am I collecting too many nuts or maybe I, maybe I need to get more or, you know. Um, so. It has instincts and it just, it just 
follows its instinct, right? It doesn't have a problem where it can't sin because it's not made in God's image, so its, it's, its actions are not blameworthy or meritorious, right? Whereas we have that gift, but also then that vulnerability. Adam and Eve were made in grace, they sinned, so we lost it. So now we, we need God's help in a special way to get where we're going. So not just God preserving our human natures in existence so we flourish as, as human beings, we actually need God to, to, to live in us in a special way, to elevate us, to bring, to bring us back to him. So we have after, so Adam and Eve sinned, so then, then we're, each of us is born in, into original sin. And so when we're baptized, so we're, our intellects and wills are healed so we can love God above all things. So not just as someone we can get something from, so we can love him as a friend, fantastic. But we still have disordered passions. I mean, this will, this will be clear. I mean, you probably don't have to try to convince you too hard, but, but uh, we, we do, it's a theological fact and also common experience. So this is called concupiscence. It's the scar of original sin, it remains. So our minds, our intellects and wills can, can be right, no longer darkened by sin, but we still have these disordered passions. So understanding the moral life in terms of virtue helps us sort this out. And I find this it's, it's, it's so compelling, so true to our experience, and it's such a sound account of, of, uh, of the human person, right? That the, the passions are not bad to be, to be rooted out, as some philosophers have concluded, right? That the passions are only bad. That the moral life is, is crushing, crushing and, and ignoring the human passions, right? No. Or, or saying, that would be someone like Immanuel Kant, or like Hume, that there's no, there's no contact, no conversation between uh, the passions and, and your intellect. That's also a mistake. No. The life of the passions are, are key, as St. As Saint Peter says to us in, in, the, in the scriptures. So we want to we'll contrast it with, as I said, a rule-based ethic. Where, so is, is, the human, is the moral life the, the, the highest moral achievement just following rules? Right, as Immanuel Kant would have it, for instance. No, so, so as this, we'll, we'll see in, in the virtuous life, right, we become morally what we do, I'll say more about that. So, so no, the highest human moral achievement is not just following rules, doing your duty. And the, the, the moral life is also more than just calculating, the, it, according to utilitarianism, calculating the, the, the best, the, what benefits the greatest number of people. Okay, for instance, because otherwise, and in that, in that scenario, that theory, there are no actions that are always and everywhere wrong. So, that, so that's a problem. Say, for instance, you know, there is a, a, a notorious family known for, you know, a troubled family, and there's one of the members, the son's accused of, of killing someone. And you, you're the sheriff. You know he didn't do it. But in your utilitarian, if you're a utilitarian calculus, you also know that, you know, so, so if you hang him, there will be peace, right? I mean, the family will be upset, but I mean, at, at least there will be, because people are ready to, to burn the town down and, and, you know, 20 or 30 people could get killed, but if you just, you just hang this one guy, you know he's innocent, but according to the calculus, this one guy will, be put, will die, otherwise a lot more people will be. So a utilitarian would say, well, the guy's innocent, but it's better for more of the, you know, the greatest benefit for the greatest number of people is to do, to kill an innocent person. So you see utilitarianism is, is deeply dissatisfying. So it, we'll see in, in, as I'll say more about the virtuous life, but there, there is, you, you, you become more honest, more excellent, 
more in accord with the truth. In virtue, you become, yeah, the perfect, it involves the, the perfection of yourself. What, what does it mean, you become what you do? By telling the truth over and over and over, you become honest, right? Or on the side of vice, if you tell lies over and over again, you become a liar. You, you could just say, well, no, I just, you know, I've told lies, thousand lies in the last two days, but I mean, that doesn't mean I can't not tell, I can't tell the truth today. Well, actually, no, you, you form a disposition. You form a moral character when you do things over and over again. And, and then your actions flow from that. It becomes reflex, second nature. So no, actually, if I, if I lie all the time, actually, it can be harder for me to tell the truth. I just, I'm just accustomed, just it, just, it just, it comes out of me. And if I tell the truth over and over again, I, again, I can instinctively, that's actually not instincts, really not, I, it becomes second nature. I'm accustomed to confronting myself and always telling the truth. So in that sense, you become what you do. So this shows how the moral life, ethics, is a quest for happiness. So it's not just following rules. It actually leads to happiness. So that is, in other words, the moral life is not, first of all, or more, most profoundly, a question of following the law or calculating what's the best for the greatest number of people. Rather, we pursue the good and we can do this in an excellent way or we can do it in a disordered way. And when we do it well, we find true happiness. What does it mean to say virtue is its own reward? It means you, you are rewarded just by becoming virtuous. So even if, if in this particular decision, I have to make a sacrifice or you know, I lose money or something by telling the truth, it's its own reward because I, I'm becoming excellent as a human being. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming happier. I'm, I'm bringing myself closer and more fully into, into happiness. So virtue considers the intellect, the wills, and the passions. So I'll give you an analogy. Think of a lame man being carried by a blind man. Okay? And then, that actually I, I borrowed from the Gilby Summa uh, appendix, but then I add, the passions are like dogs leashed to the blind man's belt. Okay? So the intellect is like the lame man. Right? So he sees, but he doesn't move. He can't move, he can't walk, but he sees, he sees everything. And the, the blind man is like the will who, who can't see, but he, he moves, but so he can hear it. So the, the, the lame man will say like, you know, stairs over here, pizza over there, you know, water fountain there. And so he's just, you could say moving the blind man by, by, by with respect to Specification, according to Aquinas, and then the, because that's how the intellect moves the will. The will moves the intellect with respect to execution. So, he, so the will moves toward the good, but it doesn't see, right? It doesn't know. The intellect perceives, it knows, and then it, the, the 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 good, the, excuse me, the will, having that good specified by the intellect, moves toward it. And if I, the will does this, it, it, it's what I would say. Uh, Explosively, Father Corbett, who taught uh, uh, moral theology at the, at the House of Studies, used to say, like, like a caged animal. I thought that was a great image. It just gets a whiff of the good. You just, you just, you just do it. You just, you, you want the good. This is the way we're made. The good is available to us. It's, it's specified by the intellect. We move toward it. So that's how, if you want to, the, the analogy between the intellect and the will. And as I say, so I've added this, the dogs here. The dogs are, so if, you're, if your dogs are well trained, they do just what you command them to do. 
they pull you, so you're going up a, a hill, it's really steep, the dogs just pull you up, it's just, it's so easy, right? Whereas if they're disordered, if they're, you know, one is too big, one is too small, they're pulling in opposite directions, right? So you say, go over here, and it pulls out, and all of a sudden you pull, you're going to the ditch all the time, and you're, you can't stand up. That's what the disordered passions do. They, they, they tug on us and, and pull us in the wrong direction and knock us down. So uh, Aristotle says, and Aquinas repeats this, agrees with him, that the will enjoys political but not tyrannical rule over the passions. And you might think, no, I mean, I, you know, I have emotions, but I mean, I, I just decide. I'm free, am I not? Well, our, uh, yes, we are free, but, but we can be, we're still, reason can be put out of action by passions. Like you say, well, no, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm free, so I mean, like, and you decide, you know, I'm going to go into this meeting, and I'm going to be calm, and I'm not going to say anything insulting to this person. Then you go, in, you go into the meeting, this person does the same thing that really annoys you, and you just you say something, you're like, oh, actually, yeah, the, the, the will enjoys political, not tyrannical rule over the passions, because I said I, said I wasn't going to do it, and I just did it. Why did I do it? Well, because I got really, really angry. Anger put out, put, <laughs> uh, tugged on my will, and I, I, I went against what I had judged was right. So the passions are... When they're well-ordered, they help you to embrace the good. And when they're disordered, they impede the good action. So that's what you've heard this term, maybe diminished voluntary, right? What, what diminished voluntary? Your will is diminished in its freedom because of passions. You can think of addictions or just, you know, terrible rage, right? You, you, it's, you can't, you say, it makes you think like you can't think straight, but actually you, you can know what's right, but you can't bring yourself to follow it. St. Thomas identifies 11 passions, and I'll write them up on the board since, since I didn't get an outline to you. And they, they show how we're disposed toward, the, toward good and evil. So he distinguishes, he has 11, so six are what you could call resting or con concupiscible passions. Five are, you could say, striving or irascible passions. So I'll, I'll just this here. Love and hatred. So love and hatred are the, just a basic disposition. You have, you have a passionate relationship, relation to good and evil. You, you, you love the good, that's how you're related to, to the good, and you hate evil. Along with this immediately is if you have the, the present evil makes you sad. So sorrow is passion when the evil is present and joy when you have the good. So let's put joy, I'll put them like this together, joy and sorrow. Okay. So joy and sorrow, if you have the, if the evil is present or the good is present, and if it's absent, then you, with respect to an absent good or evil, you have desire or aversion, right? So you want something, you have a desire. Why? Well, because you, you don't have the good. So, say that. Desire, aversion.
Okay, so that, that gets us six. So those are the, the six, you could say, resting or concupiscible passions. Then how about the irascible ones? These are ones with deal with the, with the difficult good or the difficult evil. The good that's difficult to get or the evil that's difficult to avoid. So we have, where did I write them? Hope, let's do first, yeah, hope and despair. And hope and despair, I'm not talking about the vice or the, the, so the vice of despair or the virtue of hope, just the passion. If a difficult, if there's something difficult to do, you really, you need to, you know, I don't know, make, yeah, yeah you, you wanna, you wanna make, you wanna make the team, right? It's possible to make, but you have to do, you really have to work, you know, you have to train, or maybe just say run a marathon, maybe that's easier, right? You have to run, so you have to run however many miles a week. And so it's difficult, but you, you, you need hope, right? You need the passion of hope to, to do this, because it's a difficult good. Despair is what, uh, the, the passion for uh, the, the difficult good that you should have if it's out of reach, right? Like if, if you spilled your coffee on the floor, right? You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have hope with respect to getting that off and, and getting it back into the cup. You should, like at a certain point when doing something, you should like, ah, can't do it, quit, go. If you, if you are not psychologically held, like if you still had hope for, for impossible, you know, ridiculously good, difficult things, right, right you wouldn't live well. So these are, these are not the, the virtue and the vice, just the passion. You should have hope for the difficult good that you can get, and at a certain point, this is, you know, following a, a right judgment, and you should passionately be disposed to difficult goods and despair at a certain point. You're like, yeah, you know what? It's, it's not gonna, I, I, it's not gonna work. I should, I should move on to something else, right? Okay, so let's do hope and despair. So this would be a difficult good. How about the difficult evil? We have fear and daring. If the, there's an evil that's difficult to avoid, you have fear, right? You're, it's, it's, it's not there, it's, it's, so you're afraid of it. And daring is to, to attack the difficult evil, right? You need daring, that's so, so you know, you have to, I don't know, you swim, you know, or uh, yeah, I was gonna say, well maybe, <laughs> swim across a river to, to get, to escape something else and there is a crocodile but you can see it's far enough away, so you need daring to go, to go, to go across. Uh, and then, and fear, right, so fear, protects you, but if you have too much, it impedes you. Daring, similarly, you need enough of it to live well, but if you, if you have too much, then you put yourself in danger. Difficult evil. And the last one, anger, is the present evil. Anger doesn't have a correlative. Why? Because if you have, there's, there's an asymmetry here that, that points out the superiority, the, you could say, ontological superiority, or, um, yeah, of, of the good. Evil is actually a privation. It's a paras parasitic on the good. So, you, for the present uh, injustice or, or evil, you, you should have anger. If you don't have anger, that you're not psychologically well in the face of injustice or an evil. And there's no uh, correlate passion for the good because if you just have the good, you just, you, you just have joy. You just, it's, there's not, you don't need something to fight for it. 
Now, there was a, 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 a priest who taught at, at the House of Studies who had a very interesting theory, so he wanted to add a 12th one, a correlate to this. He was going to call it victory. I, I don't, it's, it's very interesting. He's talking about it. I don't think I'd totally go along with it, but that would be where you possess the good, but now in the context of having it been, it's, it's, you had to fight. It's like, like a, a comeback victory, so that it's possessing the good with a certain radiance. Uh, you know, so I don't know, but it's, it's interesting. But that, that would be, that's why for Aquinas, there's no correlate because there, the good is superior, is ontologically superior. The, the evil is, is parasitic on it. Okay, so, so there we have 11 passions. And Aristotle, Aquinas uh, follows him on this, says there are three ways, three levels on which to live. And this will situate the, the virtuous life. The highest level would be you just contemplate the truth directly. So God does this, right? The angels do it. We can't do that because we're bodily, we, we get tired. You know, even you, you, you stub your toe, you're like, okay, wait, I, I gotta stop, con I'll, I'll be back right back to contemplation right now. My toe's bleeding on you, you know. So, you, so we, we can't do it, okay. So what's the next level of being in the truth is having the truth in you so fully, it's in your mind, it just comes out of your actions. So you just, you do what's right. You're, you're virtuous. So, so for highest level is simply contemplating the truth. Next level is, the, is virtue. It just comes, it's second nature, it just comes out of you. The third level is, is the law. You, you follow the law, and Aristotle thought 90% of the, 99% of the population is like, what well, we would say, who's, who's truly virtuous, right? Christ and Mary, the rest, they just follow the law. So the law, good laws mediate reason. If I give you an example from, so let's say you had a, a, a teen, you know, you're talking to a teenage child, and you say it, please be back by 11 o'clock, and the, the, the child negotiates with you and says, well, I mean, I'm, I have an intellect, I'm a rational person, I mean, you know, the law, 11, it's, it's inflexible, right? I mean, what about, what, can I not judge based on the situation that maybe I could be back at 11.15, 11.30, you know, I mean, because we don't know what the situation will be with my friends and who I'll be with, and you would say, no, it's exact because precisely because you don't judge well, I, the law is substituting for your lack of virtue. I don't want you to think about it because you, you could get it wrong. I want you to follow the law, right? So that for the non-virtuous, you could say it's it's a protection. It's instead of being able to instead of relying on your virtuous decisions because you don't make them virtuously, just follow the law and you'll and and you'll be good, right? That that will be that will be enough. So it's it's below the virtuous level, but it, but it, at least at least it's it protects, right? It's like like we have speed limits. You can say no, but I mean, people are responsible. Just let them drive. You know, you think they're stupid? They, they don't have. To, yes, some some that's the problem. Some people would drive responsibly, but others are like no. You know what? Let's just say a lot. It's like but the, the sign doesn't know what the conditions are and what the traffic. Like. Yeah, too bad. It's not as smart as virtue, but because we don't have virtuous people, just follow the law. So those are three levels, right? That show where the virtuous life is. And Aristotle, Aquinas follows him, distinguishes four moral types. And this is, this is the heart of what I, what I want to tell you this evening. So this, the four moral types show the relationship between reason and the passions. Okay, so I'm going to erase this so I have room on the board. I discovered, Father Jonah and I discovered this is not just a magnetic holder, it's an eraser too. <laughs> that doesn't go with the moral life necessarily, but it, it gets rewarded. So the first 
level is the virtuous. So in the virtuous person, you have the reason, reason is right, and the passions are right. They're ordered according to reason. So the virtuous person does the right action promptly, easily, and joyfully. Okay? So you just, your reason is right, passion is right, good. So reason is right, passion's right. The next level, so uh, continent or self-disciplined, continent. In the continent person, reason is right, but the passions are disordered, but the will is strong. So you do the right action, but you don't do it promptly, easily, and joyfully, you might struggle. Okay, like the virtuous person, let's say temperance, you know, we have pizza back there, and I was just telling uh, Father Joan, I, I, I was with my sisters this afternoon, and I had a lot of pizza to eat, so, you know, the virtuous person, you know, he eats the right amount of pizza, and if the host says, would you like another, he's like, no, no thank you, right, just prompt, easy, and joyful, the, the, the continent, self-disciplined person would say, oh, uh, he's like, well, I should, eating 13 pieces, I should only have seven, but I've already, so, uh, no, but you, so you, you, you say no, but you're, you're trembling and you're, and you're sweating and like dream about pizza all night because it's a struggle, right? So, you know, and, and I, so, okay. So, so I do the same thing, the right action, because my will is strong, but it's a struggle because my passions are disordered. And, yeah, so let's just say that. So, reason is right. But the passions are disordered. The next moral agent is is or moral yeah agent type is the weak. Here the passion the, the reason is right. The passions are disordered, so like the continent person, but the will is weak. Oh, that's what I wanted, wanted to say. Uh, the ancient Greeks, so Aristotle didn't have a. a, a a developed notion of the will. So Aquinas, in taking Aristotle, has this, so has the benefit of revelation and, and all the, the, the thought that went before him, especially St. Augustine. So, so he has a much more robust, uh, developed understanding of the human person, so, so in, especially in understanding the will. So here, the, the weak person, mind is right, passions are disordered, the, we, the will is weak, so he doesn't do the right action but he knows it and he's remorseful. So there with the pizza, so, so he, he, I'd say, the host said, you know, I had, let's say five pieces, I, I know I should have five pieces, and probably not more, and the host says, would you like another? And I'm like, ah, no, I should have another. Okay, yeah, yeah, so I take, I take one and then, but I'm, I'm kicking, I'm like, oh, I, I was gonna do keto, but now I'm eating five pieces of pizza, <laughs> and what, you know, I just, you know, can't, you know, got my gym membership and I haven't been going, you know, so, so, I'm, so I, I know what's right, but I'm unable to do it because of, of disordered passions. Reason is right. Oh, I catch up. So let's say here the will is strong for the continent agent. For the weak, we have disordered passions. Disordered. Disordered. Sorry about that. Passions. My writing is disordered too, not only my passions. And here the will is weak. 
The last is the vicious moral agent. Here, reason is wrong. The, the vicious moral agent has done the, the bad action over and over and over again, so he views the good as evil and the evil as good. So in him, there's no conflict. So the, the virtuous person had no conflict, prompt easy and joyfully does the, prompt easy and joyfully does the right action. The other two struggle, one succeeds, one fails. In the vicious, re reason is, is wrong, reason is, reason corrupt is corrupted. Passions are disordered. So he does the wrong action, but he celebrates it. So there, you know, the host would say, oh, would you, you know, I've had the, the, the amount I should eat. And I, but he says, would you like another? I say, oh, yeah. I say, in fact, you got, got any more? And, and I say, how about some cheesecake, too? You know, so I, I just, I, I just, I, there's, no, there's no struggle. I just, I'm, I'm doing the wrong action. And most decisions in our moral lives are not a struggle, right? We make so many of them just according to the character that we have. But all actions in real life, all moral actions, are move us toward or away from glory, right? Even so, a, a neutral species of action, like some actions are, are, could be either good or bad, depending on what they're, 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 they're aiming toward, right? What their end is. But if we, our actions flow from our character. So if we have a virtuous character, then even the smallest things were done for, you know, for God and neighbor, and according to a virtuous disposition is meritorious, right? Just even small, little, little actions. So, as I say, so even the, even the, the actions that we don't are not like a deep struggle, like, yeah, what should I do, what should I do? These, are, these, are, these can be meritorious. Right, good. So, let's take some examples of these four moral types. So, I, I gave temp a little bit of temperance also, but let, let's take justice. So, uh, you know, I go out here and I find a wallet and I, I open and it says, Father Boniface Endor. I'm like, oh. Now, if I'm the virtuous person, I, 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 my reason is right, my passions are right, promptly, easily, and joyfully. I'm, I'm so glad I found this because he, 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 he probably needs this wallet. Can't wait. Can't wait to give it back to him. If I'm the continent agent, I go out, I find, I'm like, oh, this isn't mine, I should give it back. My reason is right. But my, you know, I open it and I look like, oh, $3,000. So now I'm like, ah. <laughs> passions are disordered. Or I don't know, a, 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 a gift card to the ice cream shop. That'd be, that'd be enough for me. I'm like, oh, wow, oh, I should give it back. So I give it back to him, but I'm, I'm trembling. And I, you know, again, you know, I, I'm like, oh, man, that, that was painful. Right? If I'm the weak agent, my reason is right. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, I just saw him, and he invited me to this lecture and everything, but I mean, there's this, this, this gift card to that, you know, I'm just going to have to keep this. You know, and as I'm getting my ice cream, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm such an idiot. I'm, I'm such a, a poor brother. You know, I mean, this is his ice cream, and I'm eating it. I'm remorseful, but I, my will is weak. The, the passions are disordered. The, the vicious agent, right? I, if I'm vicious, I find it, I'm like, too bad for Father Boniface. You know, $3,000, man, that buys a lot of ice cream. You know, so. How about, let's take courage. So if you, you know, the, the house is on fire, children are inside, and let's say I can, I, I'm a good judge, I, I know I can get in and rescue the children and get out, right? So if I'm the virtuous agent, reason is right, passions are right, I go and I, I it's prompt, easy, and joyful. In fact, 
For the virtuous person, it's emotionally painful to do the wrong action. If people are standing around like, don't go in, don't go in, you'd be like, are you kidding? Of course I'm going in. If you, if you, it would be uh, yeah, painful to do the wrong thing. You're just, that's why I think of the dog's leash to the, the belt of the, of the blind man. You just, you just, the, the passions help you do what's right. They just, they, they, they explode in the right direction, which push you in the right direction. How about the continent? agent so there are reasons right i'm like oh yeah i can get in and get children out i'm like i'm ready to go i'm going i'm going in. wait i'm going you, 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 i'm psyching myself up but i'm sweating and i'm trembling so i do it but i don't but but with a struggle the weak agent right i i, I say hi oh, you're going I'm, I'm getting ready to go in i'm i, just, I can't it's like are you have you gone in it's like ah, i i not no i i didn't and i but i'm kicking myself i'm saying i'm such a coward i can't believe i i didn't i didn't help them the vicious person again would say man Sure glad I'm not in there. <laughs> Too bad for them, right? So because reason has been corrupted. So he celebrates the evil, right? That's like, well, too bad for them. And again, yeah, if you took temperance, you know, again, your, your host asks you, offers you more food than, than you should have. Virtuous, prompt, easy, and joyful. No, thank you. The constant person, no thanks, but I'm, I'm sweating about it. The weak, I would accept it, but regret it, even as I'm eating it and the vicious person would just celebrate the evil, the, the, the disorder. It doesn't have to be a, a profound evil, but I would be celebrating the disorder of, of eating. Instead of using food to help myself, I'm, I'm, I'm injuring myself. The virtuous, so as you see, the virtuous and the continent agent do the same action, but not exactly the same. Aristotle would say it's analogously the same. Think of a, an athlete, uh, let's say, so with respect to, to ice skating, a, a, a virtuous athlete can do you know, triple toe axle, does it beautifully, the virtuous one does it beautifully. You say he makes it look easy. Well, because it has become easy. It's not an easy action, but he's trained and trained and trained and, and conditioned himself. So it's prompt, easy, and joyful. Or a concert pianist, brilliant, you're playing, you're like, that's, how, do, how do you do that? But it's prompt, easy, and joyful if you have the virtue, right? The truth, the, 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 the good of you're just, you're just you're excelling. You have the excellence in you. Whereas the continent person, like, you know, the athlete, so you're learning, you, you get up, you do the trip, you do three, and you're like, whoa, that gets And you come down, it's kind of ugly, but if you're like, oh, yeah, that was a triple toe axle. But it's analogously the same. It's not exactly the same because the perfection you can see is, is lacking. It doesn't have quite the perfection as the virtuous person. External actions are the same, but, but again, you can, see, you can see the difference. Now, how has virtue developed? Aristotle says with repeated action, right, over and over and over again. Also, though in grace, Aristotle wouldn't have known about this, but in baptism we, we receive all the virtues, they're infused. So the, the, the infused virtues are sheer gift, a sheer gift. But we have, if you have what Aquinas calls contrary habits, right, do you really have the virtue or you don't? Well, you have it infused, but you, it can be blocked in its, in its manifestation if you have a contrary habit. So like, let's say you have that you're intemperate with respect to alcohol or something. You get baptized. Well, does that mean? You could miraculously be healed of that. People have had that. But you could also just be a sanctified, you know, intemperate person, right? You still, you still, you might have this contrary habit so that the, the, the temperance that you had infused can't be, can't be, is, is not fully manifested. So by repetition, we develop virtue and then the, the grace, uh, the, the, the virtues that come with grace are sheer gifts. So in this way, we become what we do, right? Or you could say, well, we do what we are because the, the doing the action forms a character. And when you have that character, 
other actions flow. It becomes their second nature, right? What happens on the outside is, is spoken to the mind. Right, and you can think again of the example of the athlete. You do it over and over again, and it, it becomes easy. You, you know, you, you, you train, you run, and then that distance becomes easy. Okay, right, so if, we have, if we're weak or vicious with respect to, the, or even self, the continent, the self-discipline agent with respect to certain actions, we need the help of others. So help can come from outside, right? God, obviously, the sacraments, right? Prayers of others, the support of others, 12-step groups, that's what's so helpful about 12-step groups. You have others helping you to stop the bad action and do the right action. And also just the law. Let's say I know, you know, I just don't trust myself on whatever. You, you know, I'm up driving maybe too simple of an example, but I have good laws and I'm like, yeah, these law by doing following the law over and over again, right, it 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 becomes habituated and it can help me develop further. Good laws can do that. Aristotle thought that you could only be virtuous if you had a good upbringing, good education, money, and so forth. But so that's where we would know, and he thought that few, few would have this, most of the population would be natural slaves. But Aquinas, with the benefit of, of revelation, knows right <laughs> virtue, is given so immediately by God, infused with a sheer gift, and without God's help, it's impossible. So all, all are called to glory, all can become virtuous. In fact, right, you have to to get to heaven, so you might need purgatory to get there, but you have to become virtuous to get to heaven. God helps us through others to do the right action. God can also, God has to recreate our hearts from the inside. So again, especially in the sacraments of penance and communion. So we have a marvelous human possibility not present in other forms of life, as I mentioned, right? So um, angels don't have passions, squirrels and other animals don't have intellects and wills. So we can know something is right and not want to do it, or know something is harmful and want to do it. We can know the truth and not choose it. We can also find something difficult, the truth, like for the content agent, and make ourselves do it. Right? Squirrels don't challenge themselves to do things that they don't want to do. So, yeah, because of this interior conflict of reason and the passions, we have a, a rich fragility, right? That the, the, the makes us interesting, it also makes us tragic in a way, and it makes us heroic, right? So you can see this is the depth and the, the drama of, of the human person and human life. But so the virtuous agent is the highest, as Aquinas would have it, and that's important because contrast that with Immanuel Kant, who would say, right, if it's just following the law, his understanding of the highest moral possibility is following the law when it's hard. So here you, you crush the passion, you, you, you grit your teeth, you get through, so that's you know, Aquinas and Aristotle's continent agent. And that's, that's like, that's the highest, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your duty when it's the hardest. There is something heroic about that, but that's, that's not the highest pos human possibility. Higher still is to be so good that it's prompt, easy, and joyful. In fact, in heaven, right, this is what we're gonna be doing for the, is glory going to be we're gritting our teeth and getting through it? <laughs> I hope not, right? So, so no, the, the, the account of virtue shows that for humans, you can become perfect, perfected. Also, this shows us that virtue is not the absence of the passions. The passions are good. They just need to be ordered. So this, the saint is not a smiling zombie. 
right? This is how you find it sometimes portrayed in, in film, right? No, the, 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 the saint has passions, but they're ordered by reason. So it's not like sometimes it, like the saint is portrayed like, he just, he just really doesn't come into contact with life or with temptation. <laughs> no, the saint confronts evil, dominates the situation morally, right? Through, through faith and, and ordered passions. But he also goes to the cross. Moral virtue is having passion in the right way, at the right time, for the right length of time. So, for instance, the, the courageous person has fear. It's not that the courageous person doesn't have fear, but you just have fear in the right amount and for the right length of time. The extremes, people who are on the extremes, look at the golden mean in the middle as an extreme. So, the, the coward looks at the courageous person and says, man, he's rash, he's crazy, taking those risks. And the rash person looks at the, the courageous person and says, he's a pansy, he, he doesn't, you know, he's, he, he won't take these risks. But, but you know, that, that's like, you know, the rash person is, is precisely lacking the right amount of fear. So for instance, the addict's view is skewed. So our culture, right, sexually addicted, thinks oh, chastity is impossible. Right, so looking at the virtuous person as, as impossible. Fewer people suffer rashness and insensitivity, right? Most people tend toward cowardice and, you know, intemperance. But it's actually worse to be insensitive or rash because if you don't have enough of the, the passion, it's hard, what, what, it's hard to, you know, elicit it or, or, or stoke it. Better is to have a lot of it and then to order it. That's, that's how to, you can live well, is you, you, you have the passion, but, but you, it's well-ordered. So, yes, good. Virtue is situated, but not situational. What do I mean by that? So, let's contrast. So, you have a mother with, with two kids walking along, faces, I don't know, you know, a drunk motorcycle gang member. Sorry, if you drive motorcycles, I'm not against motorcycle gang people, but... Um, and uh, so she would perhaps flee, she's virtuous. She has fear in the right amount for the right length of time, but so she judges the danger, and so she, she might flee, right, in the right way. But let's say, you know, a police officer who's, you know, so armed and, and trained, and let's say, you know, a karate master and, and a you know, gloves champion, right? Um, he should not flee. So, so he would, so their actions could be different. They could both be virtuous. So it's situated according to the, the real concrete situation on the ground, but it's not situational where it's like, it's just, oh, well, it's all relative. No, 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 there's an objectivity, but the objectivity is contextualized. So virtue helps us to see how different people could have different actions, but it's still objective. It's not simply relativism. This also, recog the virtue recognizes that we're made in God's image, we're free. We see that the, the will you know, under the influence of disordered passions, can, can you know, we can put reason out of action. Passions can put reason out of action, but we see we're 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 free. We're made in God's image, and you could when you when you see how we can fail, you can compare us to the lower animals and say, you know, I, I wish that God would just just save me. Just don't don't ask me. Don't involve me. Just 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 do it. But God says, no, no. I want I want you to be part of and embrace with your intellect and will, your own salvation. God works our salvation through us. So we're not just like stones, God just like lifts us up and puts us in a higher place. 
He wants us, it's a revelation. We're saved by knowing about God, by Christ reveals the Father. Father Boniface referred to the Trinity. God reveals his secret life to us, to, to save us. We, we are saved by knowing him, believing in him. So this is, this is a great risk. Again, you could say, but what if I fail? I didn't want to know. I will give you grace. I call you to me, to live with me. One other thing we can, this understanding of virtue can help us, a mistake we can avoid is, let's say, Luther's understanding of attribution of holiness. So in virtue we see by doing the good action and also the effect of grace, we're actually made excellent. Right? We have the truth in us and it comes out in our actions. So it's not that we're just vicious and God covers us with Christ, right? So that, so that God looks at us, he sees Christ, but we're really vicious. No, God actually transforms us and makes us virtuous. Right, so it's not like, you know, uh, we, we, are, we are totally out of shape and we, we just, we're sitting there, you know, eating a donut, smoking a cigarette, and, and, and God comes up and gives us the gold medal for the marathon and says, Christ run the ran the marathon, he came in first, here's the gold medal. No, he helps us train and run the marathon ourselves, right? So it's only with God's help, so we have to be careful. Yes, we totally agree, it can only be done with God's help, but God actually transforms us. He makes us virtuous. Right, so it's not simply attributed holiness. God actually makes us holy. And you, you see what, when you, in, in virtue theory how that, how that is. You actually become, your passions become ordered according to reason. You become integrated. More like Christ. And, and more ourselves then. That's, I'll stop there and I'll be happy to take questions. Okay, so the question is, what's the difference between virtue theory and human flourishing? Well, I would say, so, you can't have human flourishing without virtue, but human flourishing would all, could, could also include just things outside of virtue, like just health, right? So, you could be holy, but not be considered to be humanly flourishing because you have cancer or something. So, human, human flourishing would be maybe a more general category, but you can't be fully human flourishing and not at the most profound level if you're not virtuous. Virtue would be the, the essence of human flourishing, but for full human flourishing, you, you'd also, you know, yeah, you, you could also add other things that are lower than the moral life. But you mentioned deontology and then utilitarianism. So there, the connection is less, there's less of a connection to human flourishing, right? In other words, just following the law for deontology, you know, we, we, as I said, so, Yes, we should follow good laws, but it doesn't, it's from the outside always, right? Virtue is not just, you, you, 
a law is communicated to you and then you follow it and so there's you're able to to get to good places because because the lawgiver has wisdom no actually you you can the wisdom the truth can be in you and 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 you can be the principal of your own actions and and so flourish so i'd say that's that's much more virtue uh, gives you an understanding of human flourishing and moral action utilitarianism also there you're just making a calculus I mean, are you flourishing or not? You're just, you're, it doesn't really tell you. You're just trying to calculate the best possible outcome. And there's a danger, right, in my example also, right? Uh, what if your calculation is off, right? <laughs> you know, oh, I did this because I, I, let, I killed this innocent person because, you know, otherwise this would happen. Well, what if I'm wrong? What, you know, I've, I've done an evil and because I thought it would turn out better, but I can't be sure. But that's what I'd say. Human flourishing is a more general category, but it wouldn't have to necessarily include the moral the virtue for, for the human person to truly flourish. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Father. I was looking at the, the four moral types, and uh, evaluating myself, I find myself usually hovering between weak and confident. Most of the time, uh, occasionally virtuous and vicious. And I was wondering if you had any practical advice for how a person would rise throughout these levels, particularly if the, if the reason is corrupted, how would the reason be righted? If the will is weak, how would the will become strong? Um, if the passions are uh, dysregulated, how would they become uh, ordered correctly? I was wondering if you had any practical advice on that front. Excellent. Yeah, so, so most of us would be between the continent and the weak. I think that's most of us would probably admit that. Uh, so how do we move up? Yeah, so one is to have our minds right. So we have the church's teachings, read the scriptures, study. So we have the benefit of, we have the answers, right? So first is to make our minds right. And the sacraments, devotion. So yes, say prayers. Uh, Come to lectures like this, right? We all, we, we that's like the life of the mind, cultivate the life of the mind. Um, prayer meetings, uh, ask you know, wise people for counsel. If you have good friends, surround yourself with good friends. And then, yeah, call yourself to accountability, but be patient with yourself. Uh, you can also uh, make resolutions to do certain things. I mean, you know, you wanna get in shape, you, Get a, get a plan and, 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 and push yourself. And again, get partners. That's what they say, one of the, the best markers of success in doing, so losing weight or getting in shape or something is do it, if having someone else do this with you because then you're, you, you, you go do it even when you don't want to if you don't have the discipline because at least you do it for the other person. So yes, find the help of others. That's what like a, I think of 12-step programs, you get a sponsor, so someone you can rely on. So yeah. Study, know that, learn that the church's teachings, read spiritual reading. The lives of the saints can be very helpful because you, examples, you, you come across, you're shocked, some saint had your very same struggle. You're like, oh man, no way, no way. He had that same, you're like, oh my gosh, I thought nobody did. I thought I couldn't get to heaven because of it. No, because somebody had the same struggle. So it's inspiring to study the lives of the saints because we see their, their, how God worked through them. So that's what I would say, yeah, study, uh, make the resolution, devotion, the help of others, of the sacraments of, you know, certainly, definitely. Um, yeah, good.
So when it comes to very, the question is, when you come to very difficult questions, how does promptness, how is that manifested or, or how is that, how is that shown there? Yeah, so there are, it's, it's one thing if it's just, if it's, when you say, if it's difficult because of the threat of something like, let's say you're the, uh, you know, the, telling the truth would be, would, will cause you Right, put you put you at risk, or or you know you'll get fired or something like that. So there there would just be it, doing the right things prompt, easy, and joyful. So you would instinct you would just by second nature want to tell the truth, even though it's difficult. So there I th there I say the promptness would just help you do the right thing, even though it's dangerous in in some in some way. Now the also by the way, Aquinas says you can prudently hold back the truth depending on so you know you're the Dutch householder and the, the Nazis saying do you have any Jews or hiding any Jews? Right, you can you don't have to say. Oh, I was just reading the catechism. I have to tell you the truth. Yes, I don't. Duh. You know, but but uh, so, but now if you mean it's if you don't mean it's just difficult because of, of, of a certain danger, but it's difficult like you're unsure, like you're like wow, I don't know, it could be this or that. Then then yes, then then it's the promptness. You don't have the promptness because it's not a matter of, because you have to deliberate to come to the right decision. In other words, the promptness. If you don't know what it is. You can't you can't promptly act because there is there's un uncertainty, and so then, right? You, you reflect on it, you analyze it, you seek the help of otherwise wise people, and uh, you also again so um, Aristotle and Aquinas agrees right. The virtuous person, let's say you don't have the principles worked out, like, like in in biomedical ethics, sometimes the church hasn't decided on something. What do you, which is it? So you you. Um, the virtuous person, that's why I said you go to the most virtuous people you know, the virtuous person shows you oftentimes, right, what, what, what the right action would be, and then you can try to uh, elicit and articulate the principles that, that bear on that. But you're right, so if it's, I say, you, you wouldn't, the promptness would still be present if it's just that, by, it'd be difficult. Like if I, if I tell you, if I do this, the just thing would be to do this, and then I'm, I'm not, I'm going to, you know, Lose a patent or lose money or something. Like that. Okay, but I still do it. I, I do it promptly. It's it's I'm it's painful, but I do it promptly. But if I just if I don't know, then you're right. There's the promptness isn't there, but not because of lack of virtue, but because of the the lack of clarity. Yeah. So the question is like in the journey of the different stages of the spiritual life, 
Okay, so the question is, I hope I don't distort it, how does fear, how is it present, and how does it play a role in, in virtue or comparative virtue in this, the spiritual life journey, especially from the three stages, purgative, illuminative, and unitive? And you could think with scripture, right, love casts out fear. It doesn't treat one of the Teresas maybe talks about this. So, um, right, so first we distinguish servile fear. So as you said, the purgative, you might have more fear. Yes, but so there's servile fear, fear of punishment, which is not perfect fear, but it's still, but it can get you, get you started. At least you're, you're like, you're, this is sort of maybe what you're getting at the purgative or, or following the law. You're like, okay, I really like to drive 100 miles, I might, inclination to drive 100 miles an hour through this little tiny street, but um, I'm not gonna do it because I'll, I'll lose my license. So, okay, I'm afraid of punishment. You know, or if I, I really wanna, you know, punch this person, but, I know that's a sin, and you know I want to get to heaven. So okay, so 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 it gets you, it gets you started. But filial fear is fear of losing a friendship, and that is a perfect fear. So so there, it's not the same. It's it's a different kind of fear. You could right? It's it's you you love someone, and you don't want to damage that friendship, right? So I think of uh, at the, as we say mass at the Pentagon and um, the friars at the at the St. Dominic. And afterwards, there's, I, there's one man who, he went on a marriage encounter years and years ago, and every day he sits there and he writes a love letter to his wife, and she does the same thing. And I thought, I mean, he's been doing this for, I don't know, 35 years or something, I thought, well, there you go. So you, you, you cultivate it, you don't want to lose, that, that doesn't, fear is driving that? Well, the fear of, fear of losing a friendship, in other words, I, I treasure this friendship I'm going to take five minutes every day, every day, yes, every day, and I'm going to, I, that's going to keep a relationship alive. So fear also, um, fear is a, a passion, so there is a, there is a vice, or, or it can, okay, no. If you have excessive fear, right, this is, it's easy to think of, put fear with vice because fear can be excessive, right, just fear can control your life. But the courageous person has fear, just he has it in the right way. Right? We, we want, it's not that we want to annihilate fear. We want to have, have it be subordinate to reason. So, yeah, so servile fear would, would give way to filial fear as you make progress. Um, also, if you have too, too much fear, right? Maybe this is also because when we have, as our confidence grows in God, we have less fear because we start to say, oh, yeah, God does love me. God is in charge. Why am I so afraid of right what I will eat and wear or what I, right is right the, the flowers God 
you know, clothes them, what, what, you know, don't think about what, you know, all your problems, let the pagans think about that, right, as Matthew says. So, um, so that's what I'd say. There, there are, you have the passion of fear. Uh, if you trust God more, you'll have less fear. And also servile fear gives way to filial fear. Let's, let's say that. Thanks for listening to this lecture on the Thomistic Institute podcast. The generosity of people like you makes this podcast possible. If you enjoy these talks, please consider showing your support at www.tomisticinstitute.org donate. Your donation of even a dollar helps us reach more college students and many others with the powerful truths of the faith, and it ensures that we can keep publishing top-notch lectures on this podcast. Thanks a lot.